0: I choose to say I want to build a company that puts people over profit and as a result I'll make more profit, I'll I'll gross more dollars, I'll have happier employees, I'll have more engaged customers and I'll have vendors who like to do business with me. That's the kind of business I want to run.
1: Welcome to Minter Dialogue episode number 323. Today is Sunday the 14th of April 2019 and first a quick shout out and thanks to Kevin at KC1962 for your recent podcast review on iTunes. You'll see I took to heart your suggestion. i love it if you all would consider dropping in your ratings too. On to this week's guest. Jeffrey Hazlett is a primetime TV and radio host, keynote speaker and author of the best-selling business book The Hero Factor. How great leaders transform organizations and create winning cultures. Jeffrey focuses on transformation, leadership, innovation, and change management to drive business growth, having bought and sold over 200 businesses. On Jeffrey's site, and it says it all, he writes, Warning, low energy, bad attitudes, negative moods are all symptoms of a much bigger problem. In this conversation with Jeffrey, we talk about the journey to becoming a hero company, overcoming some of the constraints and challenges in making a purpose-led company that makes money. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss branding and all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host, and you'll find the show notes on my eponymous site, MinterDial.com. Enjoy the show. Jeffrey Hazlett, um, great to have you on the show. Small story. My roommate at university uh, was called a Hazlett as well, but without the Y in it. So it's a name that's always been close to my heart. So a little shout out to my my roommate, Bert Hazlett. You, um, now talking to Jeffrey, uh, you are a multiple author, a, a very well known speaker. And a man who's not afraid to hide from his convictions, uh, Jeffrey. In your own words, that's mine. How do you describe yeah. yourself?
0: You know, I'm just a uh, you know a speaker, an author, uh, you know business business person, and then a part-time cowboy. I'd like to be a full-time cowboy but uh just I'm too busy out running around doing business that I just don't get home enough on the ranch or I get home to 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 uh to play that role I'd love to play that role but I'm kind of a boardroom cowboy to some extent you know in the business I've been described that quite quite frankly that way because I tend to just uh you know roll in Ride in on the horse, um, you know, and uh, and so to, to take over and, and start doing the stuff I have to do because that's what cowboys do. We do the work. Mm.
1: Well, uh, I can. Im- does, does a cowboy wear boots?
0: I do wear – and I do wear boots. I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> there you go. Um, that's all I wear is cowboy boots. I wear jeans and cowboy boots and usually dress pretty casual. Um, in fact, the other day I had to go somewhere. I had to go buy a pair of pants you know, because uh, I just don't wear suits anymore. I, 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 you know, I came from that world for so long. And now I just go, no, nope, not doing that. You know, so
1: one of the things I, I wanted to uh, really focus in on was The Hero Factor. Uh, your, yeah. I, th- I think it's your last book. Um,
0: yep, it is. It's the most recent book. And it's doing really well, The Hero great. Factor. Anyway. All right.
1: So what inspired you to write The Hero Factor?
0: You know, it, it started from uh, the fact that we, we own the Hero Club, and how we got that was through by a guy named Rob Ryan, who sold his company back in 1998 for $20.4 billion. And that's with a B. And when he sold that company, he and his wife, Terry, who is also the chief legal officer, set aside a certain percentage of the company for every single employee, making the single number of millionaires ever created in one day. And, um, all these people would come up to Rob and Terry and say, Mr. Ryan, you don't know me, but I'm the janitor and you helped me send my kids to college. You're my hero. Or you helped me pay for the operation for my mother-in-law. You're my hero. And he, you know, he never felt like a hero, but he said, you know what, I'd like to do something where I could help other people do what I just did. So he started teaching a little, a little course and got a little group together. And it was about grew to about 20, uh, 30 people. And. And he was helping him, you know, get exits. Not as big as his. I mean, that's one of the biggest exits of of all time, quite frankly. Sure. You know, uh, it wasn't topped until Microsoft bought uh, LinkedIn in 2016. So it stood for 17 years. And, um, you know, and it, but he never could get it over about 30 people because it's t- it's a different kind of business. It's a different kind of. Um, activity when you bring people together in kind of a mastermind or a peer group, and and so he saw what we were doing with the C suite network, and he said, hey, come come take this over, and so we took it over, and as a result, um, you know, we've grown it you know ten x in the last year, and one of the things we did was we put together a a pledge uh, that that everybody signs that says that you'll 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 run your business in a hero fashion, and. And what we found out through the study of all the groups that started to become part of this movement was that they were transforming their organizations and creating really winning cultures that were different than what we see in the books. You know, I think one of the most classic books out there is Good to Great. And we've actually the New York Times. Yeah. Yeah, Jim Collins, a great book, you know, and, and Jim's a great author and a great in, a great thought leader. And um, New York Times described this book as, you know, the hero factor takes over, we're good to great leaves off. Because what we find today, and this is across the board, whether you're, you know, across the pond, so to speak, or anywhere in the world, um, you've, you've got, you know, 50, some 53% of employees aren't engaged. 28% don't even know what your vision is. And when you start to see those kinds of numbers, you need something that's more inspiring. So the hero factor actually helps companies position themselves in such a way they actually gross more dollars, they earn more money, they um, have happier employees, more engaged customers, and vendors who want to do work with them. So the and and so the hero factor, you know, kicks in and says you can be better than a good company. You could be a and there's lots of different kinds of companies. There's good companies, good co's, there's there's wannabes, there's um, you know, do gooders who have high hero values but low operational excellence. There's, you know, opcos, which are what I would call great operations but low on lower on hero values. And then of course there's there's those asshat companies that are just you know low on everything you know, and um and but you know my most important message of the book is pick a side, you know pick a place you want to be. I don't I don't care where it is on that chart. You know, although I'd have a little bit of a problem with you if you were in kind of an asshat company. But um but you know outside of but anyone could choose. You can choose to be the kind of company that wants to charge you know uh, $50,000 for insulin if that's what you want to do. Um, but you know, you're kind of a, you're kind of a jerk kind of company and we, we don't need people like that in this world, but that's a different thing. But if, but if you, you know, if you want to be an operational excellence company, focus on that. And you don't want to focus on values. I get that. That's okay. You can just make money. That's all right. But, but I choose to say I want to build a company that puts people over profit. And as a result, I'll make more profit. I'll, I'll gross more dollars, I'll have happier employees, I'll have more engaged customers, and I'll have vendors who like to do work business with me. That's the kind of business I want to run. And I see people running business like that all over the world. So I want to
1: go into one small area first, which is sure, the, sure. The, between the great companies that Collins talks about and heroic companies that you talk about, if you will, if I use the word heroic. What kind of bridges do you see between Collins's vision
0: and yours? Well, I think I think Colin's vision spot on, but I think the difference is they do it with a cause or a value set, and that's the real difference is the values. What are the values that you espouse the most? And and by the way, they can be any set of values. I mean, I I celebrate in the book. I celebrate people like uh, Kathy Truett. I don't know if you know Kathy Truett, but runs a little business called Chick Fil A. Mm-hmm. Now, he he. Uh, <laughs> He espouses a belief certain about sexuality that I don't, which means he says, you know, same-sex people should marry. And he's been very public about it. He's a big ultra-right Christian, lives in Georgia. You know what? It's not the kind of thing I would say, but he he believes in that. He also says that Chick-fil-A won't open on Sundays. So I can't get that great southern fried chicken sandwich that I like to have with a pickle on it on a Sunday because he says that's the day for the families. And By the way there's another company called Michaels that does the same thing. So on Hobby Lobby you can't you can't go in you can't go into I think it's Hobby Lobby or Michaels I can't remember which one. You can't go into that on a Sunday because they say it's the day of the Lord and you shouldn't do it. Well, but you know what? I wouldn't do business that way, but by gosh I I support him him or her 100%. And by the way, c- corporate public companies and they have this vow. Now what I like about that is at least they have a set of values that they live to. I, by, by gosh I, I, I praise them but and I, you know and by the way I don't don't agree with it, but I'll still buy his chicken sandwich. Now on the other hand, you have companies like let's say let's take Ben and Jerry's. Those guys are the most far left liberals. They've come all the way to the right. I mean, they've you know, they hug trees, you know, um, and do, do things which you know, um, and take stands on issues that that you know, my conservative, little bit right wing, even though I'm a big Democrat. Um, I, I kind of look at it and go, oh, my God, they're crazy. They're nuts. But you know what? Uh, but they make a great ice cream. And and by gosh, I support their right to do what they do. They live a set of values that says our companies will operate. Therein lies the difference between – and I'm giving extreme examples, right? Hmm. But, but therein lies the difference uh, between, you know, what I would call those great companies. They're saying, in my community, this is what we stand for. This is who I am. This is what our company will be like. And if you want to get with our company, you want to be a part of it, you want to be part of our our hero culture, then this is what these are the values that we espouse. And so um, it's important for every company to have a a stated set of values and then operating principles.
1: Something I I take away from what you've just said is this notion of of standing out, not just standing up for your values. Mm. But not being afraid to espouse a political cause or a something like a hot button type of position, and and the end of the game whether you Jeff like them or not is something that's that's one thing. But they have obviously spoken to a community that seems to support that, and then that's how they make their living.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's OK. I mean, we, in business, as you all well know, we've been a little reluctant to speak our mind because it just might cause rifts. Right. right. You know, it's probably even a little bit more British. You know, eh, maybe we shouldn't do those, you know, kind of things. But, you know, um, and what we're starting to see is it really doesn't make a difference. In fact, most companies would like you. They'll even uh, disagree with you, but they'll like you if you pick a side. So pick a side. And, and and be clear about it because it's – you know, this is this is life and why be too short? Why be wishy-washy about it? Well, because the
1: people are fearful that they're going to piss off some customers and they're going to okay. lose some people. That's why they –
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know what? You'll lose more people by not doing a good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you exactly. Know? And, you know, so as opposed to taking a stand on the issue or doing something, sure, if – you know – you know, I you know I, I give Starbucks, uh, Starbucks. I write about Starbucks because they've had a couple of, of of very public issues on how they deal with something you know with two young black men who walked into yeah, a Philadelphia, Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia store and how they were treated. And and I gave them credit for that. I took on Google for Google when they fired the tech uh, for about the equal hiring of women or or more preferential hiring for women. But you know, at the same time, yeah, let's let's take Starbucks. This is an extreme example here in the U.S. Starbucks has a policy of like in some states you can you there's actually what's called an open carry law. So in some states For you the can gun. actually yeah Sorry. you can actually walk into an establishment with a gun. And do you know that Starbucks as is, as is, is liberal as they are supports that issue because they say we'll support what the local community say. And so in some states you might maybe they actually walk in. They do a march, and they they walk down the streets and then like a little parade, and they're carrying open firearms. And then they walk in and have a coffee at Starbucks, It's kind of a symbolic kind of thing, you know. And a lot of people were upset with Starbucks because Starbucks said um, it's okay, you can do that, because see that's what the law says. So so I, I thought that was an interesting thing. On the one hand, you know, here's here's an organization that's. That's pro, you know, pro gay marriage, pro same sex, uh, pro very liberal things. But on the same side, they would allow that, and you would not think that to be the case. But that—that's where they took their stand. And I, I thought that was an interesting take. Um, as a business, you know, what? I don't think it's hurt him one bit, has it?
1: No, and and of uh, course, it's not a far leap to think Howard Schultz would want to run for president.
0: That'll be interesting. There's certainly, the Democrats are taking him on and having been involved in politics for a number of years myself um, in the House and Senate and running some presidential campaigns and some political campaigns in the States. Um, you know, the Democrats are really trying to kill him because he's not your established kind of candidate.
1: So. Indeed. I listened to him at South by Southwest. So um, one in, in, in Hero Factor, one of the things you say, you, says you like to ask people, is it about profit or purpose first? And then you berate both of us if you say one or the other. It's about profit and purpose. There's not one that goes ahead of the other. Can you elaborate on
0: that? Yeah. So I think that's a thank you for the way you stated that because I think it's important for us to understand there's a balance between the two. There, in, in, in the book on page 12, I know it by heart, <laughs> there's a chart where I actually lay out your where you stand as a company based on your values and your, and your operational excellence, your profitability, and the way in which you run your company. And, and by the way, there's a free assessment on the website, uh, theherofactorbook.com. If you go there, you can get a free assessment to kind of figure out where you are, and there's some exercises you can do with your company, give to you all for free. But in, in there, in the lower right-hand corner, are, are companies that are, are do-gooders. So let's take a do-gooder. They have high, high values, meaning they're doing it for the right reasons. They're standing up, taking a cause. They're helping out people. They're doing everything they possibly can. But they make no money. What's the use of that? What's the use of you struggling and struggling and only you have great values, but you're ineffective and able to put them forth? so you have to have the profit profit's not a bad word in fact free enterprise system is what's built most of the great you know industries and most of the great countries and most of the great process around this world and um i i think profit's not a bad word and so by driving great profits by making good money in the right kinds of ways what a fantastic way to be able to support the values that you espouse, and so that's why I say you have to have the balance between the two. At some
1: level, it makes me think that maybe profit and purpose, you need both, but the how you do it is important too. Maybe that's where the values come through.
0: Absolutely. I mean, if I mean, if you do it ruthlessly for a good cause, that's not that doesn't help you much, right? You know, and so I even, you know, I take on, you know, CEO salaries. I take on, you know, when you when you exit, do you take all the money or do you leave some behind? And do you remember the people that you got there that got you there? A lot of different things. You know, I I'm a I'm about to do a raise for our own C-suite radio and I'm setting aside a percentage of the company. If I ever sell the company for all the host, all the host. On our company because they helped me build the product. I think that's a value. I think that's something I should do. And my team said, "Well, you didn't have to do that." And I said, "Yeah, but don't you think? I mean, they contributed to that. So you know, they're not owners. They didn't invest money, but yet they're great hosts. Um, and you know, we we host their shows on our network. Why wouldn't I help pay back? You know, g- you know, give them a reward for that if, if we ever exit.
1: Cool. So one of the areas that Oh, I always interests me is within the play on values is this notion of ethics and I was wondering what your take on how do you mix and put in the salad of values the ethics component
0: well I think you have to be ethical to drive great values so um, to me they're they're side by side they're different they're different in what we value versus how we do it and to me the ethics is more around the how we do it and the values are more about why and what we drive.
1: So, Jeff, what, what were the or are the critical ingredients that led you on this journey to embrace the hero factor?
0: Well, you know, one, I just, I, I'm surrounded by these heroes every day. These men and women who I see every day um, in the Hero Club, but beyond the Hero Club, I see them in business all over the place. I see them. Uh, across the U.S., across North America, across the world, I see businesses who do the right things every day, who take care of their employees, take care of their customers, take care of their vendors, and, you know, take care of their environment because it's in their backyard. And they do it without, you know, saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. So they're driving great hero cultures, and I see them every single day. I've seen them all, all my life growing up. And so I thought there was a time, there's a time in which to say, okay, these are the kinds of things that happen, and why can't we drive all business that way? Why can't we all be like that? Because at the same time, I see bad companies, right? I see companies that don't operate with operational excellence. I see operational excellence companies that are great business investments but don't have high values. That doesn't, that's not right. You know, as well. So I said, why don't we start doing things because it's right and then find the balance? You know, you you see these hero companies and communities who take care of the symphony. Who take care of making sure that there's enough walkers for the bikeathon or the, or the or the you know the, the march or, um, or or you know take care of the little league teams or the soccer or football teams, you know for kids and I just thought geez why don't we start recognizing this and, and understanding this is this is in my opinion the the pinnacle of where you want to be, and then how and what's the what's the way in which you get there. What's the way in which you get there? And then it's a safe place because it's not easy for some people to like you and I just talked a moment ago saying, um, make a stand, you know, it's scary sometimes, but Mm. you know what there's, it's, it's, it is scary. That you'll make the wrong decision, and you could lose your whole business. You know, but you know, it's I do in the states here recently. You saw this extortion error by the by one of the attorneys, right? Mm-hmm. Who said, "Who said I'm going to take three billion dollars off your top line just by leaking the story unless you pay me twenty million dollars?" And the first thing Nike did, first thing Nike did, was pick up the phone and call the federal prosecutor. Hmm. I I thought that took guts, because. If you're looking at $3 billion versus $20 million, and they're going to get embarrassed because they had some employee who probably did something they shouldn't have done because they've had that before. Um, and yet um, they said, no, we don't operate like that. And by the way, and we won't be extorted. Totally. You know? I just thought I, I took that. I think Nike should, and Nike's not getting it like they should, in my opinion, because Nike takes some hard hits. I mean, you know, the mm-hmm. Vietnamese workers or this or that, and and so you know, I think companies try to do the right things whenever they can. Uh, some com- not all companies, but but it was I was uh, I was cheering Nike when that when that happened. So if someone, was... I, might, I might have to go out and buy a pair of Nike. <laughs> they don't make boots though they don't make nike yeah, put, cowboy boots Yeah, put
1: your mouth where your feet are um exactly. sorry that. so um in terms of the hero factor so it's obviously something i, I, I really resonate with this notion of mixing purpose and, and not being afraid to be profitable there are surely companies that just shouldn't be trying to do it <laughs> i mean you know so who who are because, you know maybe everyone says, well, oh, intellectually, this is the right thing to do, but either how would you sort of suggest put in a box these are the people you just stay where you are, and don't even think about it
0: well, I'm okay with that i you know I'm okay with that if that's your decision, right? if you want to be an operational excellence company and you want to operate like that fine then do that don't then don't don't give money to a charity right. or don't give money to this and then claim you're a green company yeah mm-hmm. g- give me don't don't give me that bullshit you know tell me tell me you know do be yourself i'm okay with that and then give money so that you're less of an ass okay fine i'm all right with that um but pick a side so and there are some companies i would i would like you to strive to be that because i believe that they you know by running your company as a hero company you're the best of the best of the best that you're 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 the ones on the pedestals now if you can't be there then be the best at what you're doing that's i'm fine with that and i state that in the book i i I I talk about picking a side, Um, but realize where you're at and realize and don't 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 give me the platitudes that you you operate like this because you don't.
1: One of the things that's obviously difficult, especially for publicly traded companies, is managing shareholder expectations. Mm -hmm. And you come in as a CEO. You've been running, let's say, a an operationally excellent company now. But you you ate you drank the Kool-Aid of, you know, Ben and Jerry's or whomever, whatever it is. You now want to persuade the whole company to go for more purpose and, and be more protective of the environment, the three P's and so on. How do you embark the shareholders? Wall Street is, is still a pretty hostile environment for that kind of a conversation.
0: Oh, in a heartbeat. It's not easy. Don't don't get me wrong, but it can be done. I mean, I give you a great example. Um, a, you know, a, my, um, Autodesk years ago. I did actually did a television show when I was a host of Bloomberg um, TV, where I went into the boardroom of Autodesk because, well, as they were making the transition from a shrink wrap software company to um, you know a SaaS company, they. Um, were trying to move customers and realized they, they couldn't do it because it takes years. Because Autodesk works with large construction firms, engineering firms, and so forth. And many of those projects are seven years long or ten years long when you're building an airport or you're building a bridges or uh, a port. And yet here they said by the you know next year we're going to go 100% SaaS. Well, they realized that wasn't the case. And so their earnings took a big hit, and the CEO got on a call and said, Last year's uh, last quarter's earnings was an unmitigated disaster. (laughs) Mm. He actually said that on the earnings call. I've never heard a CEO tell the truth like that, Mm. you know, in in such a a very, you know, honest and forthright way, transparent way. And so he took a hit. But where he was going in terms of getting to to the values of what they were going to stand for was better in the long run. You know, Um, you know, look at Domino's Pizza in the United States. Domino's pizzas ran commercials one time that says their pizzas taste like cardboard that they suck. And I thought, well, who says that? Why did they advertise that? Well they you know they found out their customers just didn't believe in the product and so they spent ten million dollars to retool the company, retool the recipes, spent eighty million dollars to go out and tell people that they changed the recipes that they changed the brand promise of the company, which the brand promise was you know 30 minutes or it's free. So basically you used to call them and and then as soon as it, you you hung up the phone, you used to look at your watch hoping you would get a free crappy pizza. I mean, that's basically what their promise was. They cared more about getting you the box than what was in the box. And they said, no, we're going to change that. We're going we're to stop that. We're going to scrap that. And we're going to say, we're going to stand for a great pizza. We're going to be a great product. Well, what's the result? Their stock went from $0.90 cents to over uh, $109. I mean, by telling the truth, by being being transparent – it's So to basically to operate with values, there's a payoff. It doesn't mean it's painful. It's like I'm out of shape. You know, I'm not a, I'm out of shape. So to get in shape, I'm going to have to exercise. It's going to be painful. It's going to hurt, but and I'll be better off for it.
1: Right. And you have to bring the shareholders along, though, in the journey, because if their Total. expectations are just profit, just shareholder return, you know, let's yeah. say, then they can be very quickly disappointed as soon as they hit the, you know, you hit a roadblock.
0: Sure, and they'll short you, and they'll they'll beat you up. They'll sue. They'll sue you. All those things occur.
1: So, um, amongst the great examples you have in your book, uh, the one that I, I picked up and really appreciated was this uh, example of the High Point College.
0: Uh, High Point University. Yeah. High Point University.
1: So, talk us through uh, what you were trying to do in that point, and well, go ahead, go ahead.
0: Yeah, it was just, I mean, a great example, Nito Cobain, who's a very good friend of mine who came to this country years ago with nothing in his pocket and became a speaker and then bought a business and grew that and created a franchise business and then became president of a university and raised hundreds of millions of dollars, increased the, you know, when when education's going down, everything around him is going up. You know, because he created an, 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 you know a, a source of excellence around his college with people who cared. And I use an example of I was walking by the college and through the college, and one of the one of the VPs, one of the biggest you know deans, reached down and picked up a piece of paper, you know, on the ground. Hmm. Not his job; he's an academic guy. And I just thought, how impressive was that? And then all the things that they do to prepare students for graduation and their job, they take it very serious. Their job isn't just about getting you a diploma, it's to get you ready for the you know, the rest of your life. And uh, very impressive, just impressive university.
1: Yeah, modeling the behavior. I, I used yeah. to run a company called Redken, based out of New York, and mm-hmm. we had an international symposium where 10,000 customers came paying to, to listen to us talk and exchange, and it was was a really great experience but one of the keys of making that experience work um with the guy who was running the u.s pat Parenti, was that we needed to show every single person who came that they had a singular experience that was custom built for them for all ten thousand people anyway part of our little things we said was if if we saw a hairdresser walking down because they're hairdressers we're dealing with right. who who um dropped a handkerchief or something well pat or i could pick it up as well as anyone else, and and say thank you for coming. Same the same principle of, of sort of demonstrating the behavior you want to see happen throughout your organization.
0: Uh, totally, there's a great example. Hero <laughs> stuff. Hero <laughs> stuff. Heroic.
1: Heroic. Yeah. So, um, for just last question, for for kids that are trying to get onto a career, what kind of advice do you give them in terms of trying to make it?
0: <laughs> well. Um you know a lot of people tell you to follow your passion i think you got to follow your passion with um making sure you get the bills paid mm-hmm. and i think that's important so you you have to have passion with reality yeah, it's like and put so- pa-
1: passion and passion and and profit
0: <laughs> yeah. So the, the the two Ps, maybe we just hit on something right there, but yep. I think it's important for you to really realize that you, you can't, while it might be great to be passionate about something, but if you're not making money at it to drive the things that you like to do, then it really doesn't get you. Just like I say in a hero company, it's great to have great hero values, And but if you don't make it money, then you can't impact the world in the way that you want it to do. So mm-hmm. you just have to have that balance, and that's what I tell you. Great. But go for it. Go for so. it. Swing
1: swing swing for the fences so yeah. what's the best way to reach you jeff uh, track you, you down you can, follow
0: you. uh absolutely you can find me anywhere on social media with hazelet h-a-y-z-l-e-t-t and um you can find me on c-suite radio c-suite tv c-suite book club c-suite network anything with c-suite in it you can find us and uh would love to have you you know link in uh follow me on twitter or or Facebook, I respond to everything. Beautiful.
1: Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely wonderful I'll have you. Sparky stuff. And uh, congratulations on the Hero Factor. I'll put all the show notes in the blog post, of course.
0: Oh, well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on MinterDial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. And to finish, Here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man.
2: arms of a woman I'm a convinced man, challenge my fate, I'm a convinced man, competitions innate, a convinced man, in the arms of a woman, despise revenges and struggle, see, live for the challenge What's wrong with challenge, I know soon we all die. I like the feel of a stranger tucked around me, precipitating the danger. To feel free, trust in my reason, and let me show you why. I'm a convinced man